0: First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. Good morning, church family. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Ryan East. I'm the student pastor, and I am privileged and blessed to say that. Uh, pastor Scott, thanks so much for the opportunity. Um, and I just want to echo what he said about Memorial Day and just thank you uh, to those that have sacrificed um, and their lives for us to have freedom that we enjoy in this room this very day. And so um, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm not going to say what Pastor Scott says, uh, but I've been trying some things out in the student ministry. We're going to be in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. But trying some things out, you know, with our students and saying, you know, hey, if you have your Bible, then you better. Uh, it, comes off, it comes across a little aggressive. Uh, so we've tried a few different things. Uh, we've said, hey, if you have your Bible, and uh, if you don't, come see me afterwards, because we had some people in our church donate to get us some really nice Bibles, and so we've been blessed to do that. And so um, just to introduce, as you're looking, trying to find Matthew 8, uh, introduce myself a little bit, uh, give you a little background on me. I grew up as a pastor's kid, and so, uh, man, we were always looking for uh, for bargains. Uh, we were looking for those thrift store finds. Can I get some hands like thrift store shoppers? Come on now there it is. All right, thrift store shoppers, man, we were we were looking for those junkyard finds. Uh, my, my family, we did a side business, and so we used to go cut grass and literally would go to the dump like at least once a week to go, you know, take all the leaves and stuff, and without fail, uh, my dad would always find something worth keeping at the dump, and so we would have about six different weed eaters that were all had different parts, and uh, he would find, uh, we found a tandem bicycle one time, and we were able to ride that thing, and uh, for like a day. And then, uh, we, uh, no. uh, and then we also uh, got about four or five different basketball hoops and combined them all. And so we had a basketball goal. And uh, it, was, it was interesting because every time without fail, my dad would find something um, and see what the world thought was junk or thought was trash. My dad saw a purpose in it. He saw life and he saw something fixable in the right hands. Uh, and so he knew all it would take was someone that knew what they were doing and had the right touch. And so the question before we start reading this passage today, I want to ask each and every one of you, has, have you ever felt like you were beyond saving? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you said, man, there is no way uh, that I can be rescued from my current situation. There's no way that God loves me enough. Maybe you're not in that situation. Maybe you've been on the other side where maybe you have a coworker or a family member or a neighbor, and maybe they seem too far from saving. And so the question begins to ask, man, are we too far gone? And I'm here to tell you today, the answer is no, that Christ is enough. Um, So if you will, um, let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Let's read 1 through 4, and let's uh, start there. It says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we're so thankful. Um, Let us never take for granted the fact that, that that your son died for us. God, let us be able to unravel and unwrap these scriptures today. Help us uh, be able to to hear what you have for us and be able to leave here maybe encouraged, changed, or maybe a little bit more curious uh, when it comes to our faith and our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we start to talk about these scriptures, I think it's important for us to understand leprosy uh, and what it is. And so let me give you some, some definitions here. Uh, leprosy is a chronic, it's now a curable infectious disease, mainly causing skin lesions and nerve damage, okay? The first service, I didn't go too graphic because we had little kids and I didn't want parents going home having to explain that one. So uh, number two, without treatment, leprosy can permanently damage your skin, can damage your nerves, your arms, your legs feet and eyes and even cause death. Now from the research that I've done on leprosy and preparing for this sermon and for sermons like this, when it's caught early, it's treatable. Uh, Back in the day during the biblical times, they didn't have that access. But in the last two decades, 16 million people with leprosy have been cured. Now today's sermon title is Christ is Enough. And today we're going to be talking specifically about how Christ is enough for the hurting. So as we read this passage and scriptures alike, we're going to cover three ways that this leper was hurting, but I want you to try to know that there, there are many more ways than what we're talking about today that this leper was hurting. So if you could, while we read this passage, try to put yourself in the leper's shoes as we read and dissect this passage. In Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start there in verse 1. It says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Now in the chapters before this, we know it's the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 and 7, and a lot of scholars believe that this crowd continued to follow him to some degree. And it's important to understand that there could have been a crowd there during this miracle. Now Matthew is the only account that talks about there being a crowd. This is also in Luke and also in Mark as well, and we'll get to that in a second. Though the teaching of Jesus was radical and extreme, it had a drawing power so much that crowds followed him, right? Like, it's something different they didn't know. And so if you want to go backwards a little bit in Matthew chapter seven, these last two verses before eight, it says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. There was something different about Jesus. When Jesus was teaching or doing miracles, it drew a crowd. And we're gonna talk about this a little bit more at the end, but man, when Jesus is present, People can't help but look and see and sometimes taste and see that the Lord is good. The meat of this passage, this meat of the section today is found in two, uh, verse 2 and 3, and it says in chapter 8, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, again, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was clean. Now, I'm a student pastor, and so you're gonna to have to bear with me a little bit. I'm a little crazier than all the other guys. Um, I still have my hair. That might be a sign. It might be gone in a couple days, but uh, we're gonna work through that. But I want you to imagine with me for a second, okay? We don't know anything about this leper other than he had leprosy and that he was a guy. But there has to be a backstory on this guy, right? Maybe he had a bunch of friends that he hung out with. Maybe he was married, had a wife, had kids. He, may, he could have been rich. He could have been poor. We don't know, but there was a life prior to leprosy to some degree. So let's try to paint this picture of a leper's life. Having stopped and to think about this man, not only having a physical ailment or disease, but this leprosy also probably called some psychological hangups, right? It was terrible what he was going through. I don't know this man's background, but I can only imagine... This story playing out. Maybe he's out plowing the field and he comes home and he noticed there's this boiler or, or this or this thing on his hand and he comes home, maybe he's got a wife or friends and he shows it to them and it's like, hey, I don't know what's going on here and they go get some triple antibiotic ointment. And no, I'm just kidding. They probably tried to find something right to wrap it or say, okay. And I'm going to tell you, if this leper's like me, I wait like a week before I get something checked out. It's not, not the healthiest habit, but that's just where I'm at. And so I can imagine this guy, you know, trying to figure something out and going back to work, going back to plow the fields or whatever his occupation was, coming back home maybe to his wife or showing his buddies again, and it's getting worse. And they're starting to get a little concerned, right? starting to get a little weary because leprosy is prevalent where they're at. So, What they do, they get a little uneasy. They suggest back in the time they would send them to the priest and the priest would isolate this person for seven to 14 days. Seven to 14 days. And at the end of this period, if if that disease had spread, the priest would tell him, hey, you have leprosy. The man may have asked, oh, can I go tell my wife or my children goodbye? Can I please go tell my buddies one more time that I have leprosy? And the priest probably would respond, I'm sorry, you can't tell them goodbye. Even more importantly, you can't put your arm around your wife again. You can't hold your children anymore. You can't high-five your buddies. And when anyone comes near you, you must yell, unclean, unclean. See, in the Old Testament specifically, there were some guidelines of examination and treatment for those with various skin diseases. Leprosy was most predominantly the thing, but you can see that they thought it was highly contagious at that time. It was not treatable to some degree other than Jesus coming through in this story. But you can see that entire thing in Leviticus chapter 13 through 14. I don't have time to read that entire section, but if you want to know like the protocols, that's what they were talking about in this section. I do want to give you a little, a little bit here, though, in Leviticus thirteen forty five through 46. It says, The leprous person who had the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, and he is unclean. He shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside of the camp. Let's continue to imagine as we start to unravel what this life for this leper looks like. Not just physical ailments, but now he's got to live outside of the camp. Think if he had children, now he's going to watch his children grow up from a distance. Never be able to play softball with the buds again, right? Never be able to hang out with his buddies and play whatever they were playing back in the day. Never being able to say, hey man, high five. No one is able to touch him. No one could touch. In fact, had he been able to touch someone, they would have also been unclean. Now the story that comes to mind for me, I tried to put myself in the leper's shoes. And again, I don't play lightly with COVID. Um, But this reminded me of my COVID experience. Back in July and August of 2020, me and my wife got COVID after camp. It was awesome. Um, And we got home. Uh Callie tested positive, I tested positive, and it was the craziest, weirdest 14 days of my life, to be honest with you. Um our kids had been up with grandma and grandpa for camp and so they stayed, so we can't see our kids. Um our little baby was with us and it was so like what do we do with this newborn? And we both have COVID. 14 days of isolation. People were bringing us food to our door. We had a great group of friends that just kept pouring out their love and dropping off food and cooking for us, and we would talk to them through the window. That was 14 days. This leper, that's his life. That's it. I don't know if you've experienced it yourself, uh, being in isolation like that, but I can't imagine that being life for this leper. So we're gonna talk specifically about how he's hurting, the n- number one is Christ is enough for the relationally hurting. We just talked about he can't touch, right? Lepers were untouchables. Physical contact with them was thought to expose a person to infection, but when Jesus touched him, he was healed. Instead of the leper making Jesus unclean, Jesus' touch actually made the leper clean. So let's pause here and talk about how crazy that is, okay? Jesus, this leper comes up, falls to his knees, and says, Lord, if you're willing please make me clean. And he touches this guy. Why is that big deal? You're not supposed to touch a leper. If you touch one, no, no, now you're unclean. Now you're going in seven days. Now you're going 14 days. That was unheard of. It was kind of like COVID when it first started and somebody would cough and you would just run out the room. Like somebody would just have a light cough and you're like, see, man. Like no one's supposed to be around this guy, and yet Jesus touches this guy and says, you are clean. Awesome, right? What does that tell me? That tells me that whatever the world thinks is unclean or unfixable or unworthy or not worth the time, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm good enough. And guess what? I'm so good that you're not going to be able to taint or worry about me. I am clean. Know that, church. Know that Jesus is is able to fix and to heal. I'm sure Jesus could have healed him another way. Let's talk about some of those examples. He healed a servant by his voice, by commanding by the faith of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 13. He wasn't even around the dude. The faith of the centurion, he's like, hey, you believe, man, he's healed. He wasn't even around him. Another one, healing by the touching of Jesus' garment. There's a faith of this woman in Luke chapter 8, where literally she touches the end of his garment and is healed. Three more by speaking, he heals an official's son again by faith in John chapter 4. He heals a disabled man by a pool by speaking, get up and take your bed and walk in John chapter 5. And if those examples don't make it sit, he heals 10 lepers by speaking in Luke chapter 17. So why does Jesus go to this degree to heal this man when he could have just said, you're healed? Imagine with me again, as we continue to imagine this guy's story, one day he came to Jesus. Jesus is in town. He says, Lord, if you will, please make me clean. What did the Lord Jesus do? He touched him. May I say to you, listen, church, the touch of Jesus was one of the most wonderful things that could have ever happened to that man. If he had like a highlight reel of his life, that's number one. It's not only that he cleansed his leprosy, but it brought him back into the family of mankind. It brought him back into the family of God. Immediately, the leprosy was cleansed, not just his physical ailments. So why are we talking about this? Because I, I would beg to differ that there are people in here, including myself, that there's some relationships in your life that are hurting. And maybe you think that they're beyond repair. And I'm here to tell you that Christ is enough. I can't tell you how many of the times when there's a relationship or there's something going on with one of my friends and it just doesn't work out and immediately I try to fix it before I drop to my knees and say, God, I need your help. Christ is enough to heal broken relationships. The second thing that you want to, we want to talk about is Christ is enough for the physically hurting. Before we talk specifically about how this leper was physically hurting, let's look how he approached Jesus, okay? Because I think it's important to take note. First thing he says, Lord, it's a title of respect. Similar to, sir, the people uh, in this uh, section commonly use this when they came to Jesus for aid. It wasn't like the leper came in and said, Yo, Jesus, what's up, man? I need a miracle, come on. Show everybody your power. No, he comes up with respect, says Lord, and then he kneels and drops to his knees in a desperate appeal for healing. The leper had faith that the Lord could cure him. And listen to this, write this down. It's not on the PowerPoint if you want to, you're a note taker. True faith is never disappointed. And we're gonna explain that here in a second. True faith is never disappointed. Now listen, the leper didn't say these things. He didn't say, will you make me clean? He didn't say, are you able to make me clean? Notice the emphasis here. When I'm talking about true faith is never disappointed, He says and starts with, Lord, if you will. Lord, if you will. I look back at my prayer life, and sometimes I do a little prayer journal in different seasons of my life, and I wonder how many times do I start my prayer or my request with, Lord, if you will? Or do I sit back and say, God, I need this, or God, help me with this, instead of saying, No, no, no. God, if it's your will that this happens, Please show up and show out. Let's go to James 4, 13 through 16. It'll be on the screen. It says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet do you not know what tomorrow will bring? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, Lord, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And it is... You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What does our prayer life look like when we start Lord, if you will? But when Jesus touched this leper and spoke the healing words, the leprosy immediately vanished, vanished, right? Now, I want to stop here because maybe you're in a situation in your life where you have some physical ailments. So you're going through physical pain and you're sitting there like, why am I not being healed? Why is this not working? Why, God, did you not show up you're saying Christ is enough but I'm not being healed. Let's talk about it, real quick. One of the reasons why is that God's might sorry that the works of God might be displayed. We see this in John chapter 9 verses 1 through 3. It says as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, "Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind?" And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I know it's hard. I know when the physical pain and the physical ailments are there, it's hard to really wrap your head around Christ is enough. I've experienced it myself. When I was in middle school, uh, I broke both of my hips. Um, It was awesome. Not really the worst pain of my life. I I knew that uh, I was going into seventh grade and I was playing football and I thought that I was going to be the next Tim Tebow. Um, On on the real side, that's really what I thought. Um, And so I was playing football and broke my left hip. Awful. I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to give you the, the beginner level here. But it was basically like my hip here and here's my socket and it broke right here at the ice cream cone. That's what they say. Completely off. Put two screws in it. I was on crutches for nine months. Couldn't play sports for a year ouch. What I didn't tell you was I feel like God at that time, probably stronger than ever, was asking and calling me to pick up a guitar and to get serious about his work. Reminds me of the story of Jonah a little bit. I ran. (laughs) I said, football is my thing. This is what makes me popular. I'm a seventh grader trying to play varsity football. Come on now. And God said, all right. I went to the doctors and the doctors got into a room and I had a guy that was a doctor at our church and they couldn't figure out why my hip broke. They couldn't figure it out. They said, man, this usually happens with kids this age that are like pushing 300 pounds. And soaking wet, I was probably 150. And I remember coming back in and just knowing, I know why. God's trying to get my attention. You thought I would learn, right? You're like, man, broke your hip, out for a year. Yeah, I picked up the guitar, started to learn, started leading worship. The very next year, football was out. I started playing basketball. That became my thing. My right hip broke. (laughs) Because basketball became everything to me. Same thing happened. I had to put one screw. My doctor actually didn't break all the way through. He, I didn't share this in the first service because I thought I was going to run out of time. But my doctor was like, hey, we can let it break or we can fix it now. I was like, let's do the first one. Let's, 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 uh, let's fix that now, okay? I want to go through the pain again. God got a hold of my life. And I can honestly tell you, church, I wouldn't be up here right now doing what God has called me to do without going through that pain. I wouldn't be able to see the students that I've been able to be a part of their lives who got saved, who are doing ministry, who are overseas as missionaries. I wouldn't be able to see any of that because God had a reason. Now, for some of you who say, man, Ryan, I don't know what the reason is. I'm, I'm waiting for Is enough for my physical hurting. Let's talk about a couple of other things. Ultimately, those who have citizenship that's found in heaven will be physically healed. So maybe not during this mist of life right now, that's short and like a vapor, but in Philippians three, twenty through 21 it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, for, for from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject to all things to himself. If that's not good enough, Revelations 21, 1-4 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 is critical. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Never shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So friend, Christ is enough for the physical hurting. It may not be during this vapor of life, it may not be during this mist, but our citizenship is in heaven. I honestly wish that, like, I love our Florida, like, license, you know, like, that's really cool, but I honestly wish I could just have, like, a heaven license, because this is just temporary. Like, I'm going, and that's eternity. Number three, Christ is enough for the spiritually hurting. It says leprosy, uh, you know, specifically reminds me a lot of sin. It's an appropriate picture because it's loathsome, right? It's destructive, it's infectious, and in some form at that time, when it comes to leprosy, it's humanly incurable. Right? Our Savior, listen, if you're writing anything down, our Savior has the power to cleanse from and to qualify a cleansed person to be a worshiper. Sometimes we overlook this, and I've overlooked it so many times when I read this passage in these four verses, that it's not just about the physical healing of this guy. It's the fact that now he gets to go back into the community and worship. When he says, make me clean, in the case of the Jews, leprosy made the person ceremonially unclean. A person that came into contact with a leper was unclean. That means they were unfit to worship with the congregation of Israel. It's not just simply, hey, your your needs are met. No, now you can truly go back and worship with God's people. And Jesus said to him in verse 4, See that you say nothing to anyone but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now in verse 4, you see these words. It says, show yourself to the priest. Jesus instructs this man to do what the law required of the lepers to return to society. It wasn't just he was clean, he had to go back to the priest. If you want to read it later, it's in Leviticus chapter 14, verses 2 through 31. It's a whole process. The healed leper is, is brought back into full fellowship with the Jewish community. Again, not just physical needs being met, spiritual needs being met. Church, can I say, until we are touched by the Messiah, true fellowship with Him, or the church doesn't happen? Until we are touched, until we are changed, until we pursue Jesus. True fellowship with him and the church doesn't happen. Under the law of Moses, the priest specifically also served as a physician at that time. When the, see, or sorry, when the leper was cleansed, he was obligated to bring an offering and to appear before the priest in order to be pronounced clean. It was no doubt pretty rare that a leper came back to be healed. It wasn't like uh, daily occurrence. Um, this leper came back, so it was an extraordinary fact that probably should have alerted the priest to go and investigate, like, what just happened? This person is healed. Probably go look into this Messiah guy. But we read of no such reaction, Jesus told the leper to obey the law in this matter. Listen, church. If you feel like you're too far gone, remember this story. If you feel like there's no hope, Remember that Jesus is clean. What society says is too far gone. What the world says, there's no way that this is going to come back. It's never too far for Jesus. Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're living a life full of sin. And I thought it was only right to share our reclaimed verse with you, a verse that's posted on our wall while we call our ministry reclaim student ministry. It's because of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Listen, Jesus has died, and his blood on the cross is enough. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't even matter what you did yesterday. The old is dead and gone. Jesus is sitting here saying, I am clean. I am enough. Run to me. This is the first instance in Matthew's gospel where it records specifically that Jesus tells someone, Don't tell anybody. And some of that might be a little weird. Like, Jesus, why don't you want nobody knowing about you? That's kind of weird. A lot of beliefs are that. I think the most common one is that it probably doesn't want to make people aware. A lot of times he said, my hour has not come. My time is not here. A lot of people believe that that's specifically um, because of the Roman yoke. Like, they wanted to make him king and deliverance over the Roman rule. And Jesus wasn't there for that at that time. Some people believe it's because, like, Jesus didn't want to just be this miracle person. that just He wanted to be able to teach. And, but ultimately we see that it didn't really matter because people still found out. And Luke, Luke's account of this in chapter 5, verse 15, it says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. I love Mark's account, same exact thing. But when he went out talking about the leper and began to talk freely about it to spread the news, So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was about to desolate, went out to desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. See, the reality is, is Jesus told the leper, hey, don't tell anybody, but he did. You want to know why? Because when you've been touched by Jesus, you can't stop talking about it. And so the question, church, for you and for me is, man, if I'm not proclaiming Jesus, if I'm not telling people about Jesus, why is that? If I can't help but share and communicate and tell people like, no, there's something better than your hurt, there's something better than the pain that you're going through right now, it's Jesus, then why do we not share that? And I'm speaking to myself as well. See, the reality is this. We don't have that command. We don't have that command. Jesus didn't say, all right, I'm dying. I'm going up. I rose from the dead. Hallelujah. I'm going up and, hey, I want you guys to go. Great commission. You guys ready for this? Don't go. Don't tell anybody. Don't do it. That would be a weird great commission. No, it says this in Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. It says, go Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So church, if you sit in the seat and you're like, Ryan, I'm not hurting I'm not currently hurting, I'm not going through anything, I'm gonna tell you, you're coming to contact with people who are, probably in your neighborhood, maybe in your home, maybe in your workplace, and our job is to go and to teach them about Jesus. And why can I be so confident with that? Because I know that there are people in this room today who are hurting, in this very room. And you're coming into contact with them during this hour, pre and post service. Listen, if you're hurting, remember the story that I shared at the beginning. You guys remember me telling you about my dad and his somewhat hoarding potential there? See what the world thought was junk or thought was trash. My dad saw a purpose. He saw life. He saw something fixable in the right hands. All it would take is someone who knew what they were doing and had the right touch. Church, I can't say it enough, but Christ is enough. I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and come back up and we're going to end this with an invitation. And I'm going to encourage you a couple of things, church. We're going to have some pastors down front. And maybe you're on one of these two situations. Maybe you're just hurting. Maybe it's relationally, maybe it's, physically, maybe it's spiritually, what we talked about today, please come see us. Please come talk to us. Let us pray for you. Maybe you're on the other spectrum and there's somebody um, that you know is hurting, that you come into contact with daily. We're here for you. The last thing I want to share with you is uh, we know that the world is hurting and it's time for us to be the church. It's time for us to love people and to point them to Jesus, because Christ is enough. If you will stand with us.